Welcome back. We are up to chapter 31 of the Tanya. It's been a little while. I'll give a brief recap of where we've been and where we're going. In the first nine chapters of the Tanya, we spoke about who we are. The two souls. The godly soul and the animal soul. The drive within us for materialism and selfish matters and the drive within us to connect to Hashem. And there was a lot to say about that. We spoke about the battle of the souls. And while we should involve them both in our life and in our journey, meaning that we shouldn't negate even our selfish drives and aspirations for they too can be utilized to make this world a better place. But the battle still remains. What is our motivator? Who's in control? Are we using spiritual aspirations in order to achieve selfish interests? Or are we using selfish interests in order to achieve Spiritual, spiritual heights. Again, a lot to be said about that. But this is what we spoke about in the past. We spoke a lot about the importance of engaging our hearts. How we can't live a Judaism that is just out of discipline, that is superimposed by even facts or truth, but rather we should be able to engage with our heart as well. And it's counterintuitive. Engaging our heart may be quite difficult, but it's a game changer. When we're able to develop our relationship with Hashem in a way that we have a feeling for Him, then that will make every mitzvah that we do all the more meaningful. We spoke about either developing feelings or developing an emotional relationship with Hashem or about revealing natural feelings of love that we have hidden within us. This is a summary, a very brief summary of chapters 1 to 35. Chapter 30, sorry, 1 to 25. Chapter 26, we said that even with everything figured out, If we're not happy, then we can't, we can't win the battle. We can't achieve what we need to achieve. I was looking back today at chapter 15, and it spoke there about the importance of the struggle and the work in progress and how it doesn't come easy and how we need to have the uh, motivation and the engine to be able to not just follow our comfort zones, and uh, be lazy, but rather to strive for more. But we said, that's easy to say, easier said than done. How do we have that motivation? How do we have that excitement? And that was actually somewhat of a segue into a big discussion about developing an emotional relationship with Hashem. But even if we have an emotional relationship with Hashem, so good. If we're not happy, 
then we can't achieve anything. Or we can achieve so little. And obviously when I speak about happy or not happy, I'm not talking about the reactive feelings to circumstances. I'm talking about a conscious effort to put ourselves in the right headspace. Whatever it takes. If it's in extreme measures, if there's extreme depression, then extreme measures need to be taken. If it's not as extreme, then still measures need to be taken. But serving Hashem with joy is absolutely imperative. Chapters 26, 27, 28 spoke about different reasons that a person may be feeling down, may be feeling sad. Whether it be their physical well-being, whether it be their spiritual well-being. I'll check. And these challenges, whether they may be physical challenges or spiritual challenges, each need to be looked at individually. A person, if they're feeling down, really needs to see what is it that's making them down. And Natanya has a lot of insights as to how to respond, how to view physical challenges, how to view spiritual challenges, how to view sinful thoughts, all of these things that may get us down. We've got to have a, a re-look, a different look, a better look at these different causes so that we're happy, so that we don't get pulled down by them. Chapters 30, 29 said that sometimes we feel spiritually numb, which means that even when we invest in our relationship with Hashem, we try to daven or to learn or to give tzedakah, whatever mitzvah it may be, we still don't feel inspired. We don't feel the light of Hashem, the light of our neshama in a positive way. And how do we deal with that? We said sometimes when the numbness is extreme, there's a concept of breaking down that perhaps blockage, that ego that may be getting in the way of, us, of our service of Hashem. And that's what we spoke about in chapter 29. And in chapter 30, we continued with a very important perspective on not judging others. And that was continuing the general discourse of humbling ourselves before others. By recognizing how even the worst of sinners may be putting on a greater fight than we are. And now we come to chapter 31. Chapter 31 has two perhaps very opposite messages. The first question that chapter 31 addresses is, is it okay to feel bad? Is it okay to feel bad about our Judaism? Is it okay to feel down about our Judaism? That's the first question. And the second discussion is when we have so much reason to be down, how do we stay happy? And not just stay happy, how do we achieve tremendous heights of joy? So for those of you that are distracted by the billion things that go on in our lives. Now's a good point to reconnect. 
Tanya begins by interestingly by saying quite interestingly that even negativity can have a role in our service of Hashem. Don't quote me on this out of context. Being positive is so important, but the, the Tanya quotes from the, the Zohar, which says that from the forest itself comes the handle for the axe. Which means that sometimes in order to sweeten the negative elements, we've got to speak its language. So, let me explain. Generally speaking, the service of Hashem needs to be done with joy. The Arizal, the Kabbalist, actually warns a person not to think about their sins when they daven. Believe it or not. Because when you're davening, you need it serving Hashem. If you're serving Hashem, you've got to do it with joy. If you're going to be thinking about your sins, you're going to be sad. You're going to be down. And you can't serve Hashem with, with melancholy, with being down. You need to serve Hashem with joy. So there is also there's only one very specific part of davening when you can think about your sins, and that's during the video, the confession. You have a very allocated space. In that particular space, you can think about what you've done wrong, and that might make you feel sad, but then you've got to move on. So there is this concept of confession, and there is this concept of feeling bad, but that's not what it means to serve Hashem. To serve Hashem needs to be done joyfully. So why do it all together? Which means that with sadness, there could be a profit that's gained, a joy that follows. So the sadness or the bitterness itself is not a space we should operate in. But sometimes it is a step that we need to take that could bring us to a happier space. I guess in very practical terms, if a person is, uh, has had a negative experience, somebody was just sharing with me this past week, terrible experience that they had of, 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 of road rage and uh, very uh, not normal. And uh, at the end, he just said, wow, that was so good. Thank you. So you can't be living in that space of road rage, but sometimes we've got to engage in that negative space so that afterwards we can come out feeling a lot better. And also in our spiritual service, although generally we need to serve Hashem with joy, there is a space of sometimes engaging with our dark side or with our sins and addressing it and even maybe feeling bad about it, even crying over it, but, but so that we could come out, so that we could be empowered to be able to serve Hashem with joy. So it's a bit of a tricky question. Can we serve Hashem with tears? Can we serve Hashem with sadness? Generally speaking, not. And even, not just generally speaking, in and of itself, not. But it can be a springboard to bring us to that space. There were two particular chassidim that there were two chassidim in a particular town called Babroisk. And they used to both daven for hours. And the one davened, as he davened, he cried. Because he thought about his mistakes and his shortfalls and his problems. And it bothered him tremendously. And the second chassid davened and he thought about the beauty of his neshabah. And his potential 
at his mitzvahs and that which he achieves. And we're obviously advocating for the latter because the former, you can't be davening with that. We said it's, it's, it's a springboard to bring you to a better space, but that can't be the, the, the space through which you serve Hashem. It's like, I guess, medication that sometimes you need to take. But you want to take it so it addresses the issue so that you can move on. Yeah, sometimes a person may have, be dealing with certain d- depression where they need to continuously be on medication. And that's great because it's just getting you out of that space so that you can be in a positive space. Obviously, if it's being uh, prescribed by professionals. But, um, uh, but if you're taking antibiotics, you don't want to be living on antibiotics. It's a particular issue. You need to take those antibiotics and it actually maybe kills your system a little bit. But it gets you healthy. It gets you out so that you're able to be strong again. So believe it or, believe it or not, negativity or bitterness or sadness is part of the service of Hashem, but in the limited capacity that I've just described. That's point number one, that being sad about where we are can play a role. Point number two is a very important distinction between being depressed and being bitter. The difference between being depressed and being bitter is will be seen by what follows, but it can also be seen at the time. If a person is feeling depressed, then that doesn't bring to anything positive. He, 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 he's just down, he's depressed, he's, he's debilitated, or she is debilitated. If a person is feeling bitter, then that can cause a revolution. So, two people may have experienced something awfully terrible. Maybe like four hours of load shedding and they couldn't sleep. (laughs) And one person is feeling depressed and the second person is feeling bitter. The person that's feeling depressed is just like, whatever, it's messed up corruption, this is not getting better, it's only getting worse, and uh, whatever, it's just a sad story. The person that's feeling bitter gets out of his bed in the morning, and he's angry actually, he's like, this is just unacceptable, and so he wants to participate in the protest, and I'm not making any suggestions, speak to your, your first, find out what's going on first. But, and he wants to go make change and he's, I don't know, maybe going into politics or, or giving his level of influence or, or seeing what he could do or maybe even investing in solar, whatever it is. Two people couldn't sleep and two people were feeling really frustrated. But the one person was depressed and the other person was bitter. The one person woke up and they gave up and the other person woke up and they're turning the world over because they, they, they want to change the situation. In depression, there's lack of vitality. In bitterness, there is passion. It's negative passion. It is negative. It's anger, maybe even. But it's something that could bring about a revolution. So that's point number two. Point number one is that negativity does have its limited space. But point number two is even within negativity, is it a depressive negativity where a person 
is lacking vitality and they're just giving up and then there's, there's no good in that. That's just a um, uh, lack of life. And then there's a very passionate negativity where a person is feeling very upset and angry in a way that they are empowered to go and make a change. And so too in our service of Hashem, when we look back and we see that we're doing the wrong thing in whatever area it may be, whether it's between us and Hashem, with whatever example it may be that we're just not getting right, or it's between man and our fellow, with whatever example it may be that we're not getting right, I don't know whether it's gossip or, or family relationships, whatever the area it may be. So it's okay to feel bad, but in a limited capacity, so it becomes a springboard for a happy living. And it needs to be bitter, but not depressed. Wow, yes. You can the bitterness as a very positive reaction, but it could also be even worse than the depression if you're channeling it in a very negative way. True. I mean, everything could be utilized in any way. Hopefully we're describing a... Uh, I'm, I'm not promoting people to be bitter. <laughs> I, I hope that your work out of this class isn't, you know, what's something that I could be angry about. Um, uh, this is in a broader picture of the Tanya at large, but it has its role and it sometimes is even important, but obviously it needs to be done right. So we've been in a bad space for a couple of weeks now over here. We've been dealing with frustration from physical hardships, whether it's illness or financial frustrations. We've been frustrated by spiritual failures. We've been frustrated by continuous sinful thoughts. We've been frustrated by numbness. And now we've been frustrated by frustration, darkness and bitterness. And we even, it sounds like we're even celebrating negativity. So uh, where does this take us? There's a big principle in Chassidus which is called a Yerida Latzarech Aliyah. A descent, descent for the purpose of an ascent. We're not just looking to come out to survive, but we're looking to thrive. And the Tanya in chapter 31 says that the joy and happiness that we can achieve after going through this bitterness or these downs is an infinitely greater joy than the happy-go-lucky um, peaceful uh, person that has always known only goods. The, the, the Baal Shuvah, the person that has dealt with bad, is able to reach much greater heights than the Tzaddik who has only had good and has never sinned. And so we're not just looking to recover, but we're looking to tr- transcend, to, to really reach great levels of specifically joy. And please God over here, I think this is a bit of a turning point in these chapters of the Tanya, I think from now on we'll speak less about addressing the negative, uh, debilitating elements of our life. And we're going to speak more about the incredible joy that we could achieve when we take on these challenges and when we come out on the other side. So there isn't just a light at the end of the tunnel, but that light on the other end of the tunnel is a much greater light than the light that we had before we went in. Please God with all the difficulties in South Africa as well. We are dealing with a lot of frustrations, but we're not just looking to survive and to pull through, but we're looking to achieve a much greater joy, a much brighter light than uh, 
we experience before dealing with the particular issues that we're dealing with. On a global level, one moment, we speak about Moshiach. We're talking about global transformation where the world will be filled with light. And even at a national level, we do speak about a better, better times for South Africa. But even before we reach them on a global or national level, even on a day-to-day level, we can kind of go through this journey of first getting, finding ourselves in the dark and then finding the tools to deal with the dark and then seeing how we can actually become stronger and better people than uh, people that are perhaps living in the States. So, uh, yes, perhaps they're not dealing with load shedding and they're able to sleep because they have air conditioning, but perhaps we could find ourselves as happier and stronger people specifically because of our approach in dealing with our challenges than those that seem to be living it up but perhaps are not re- will, will not have the opportunity to reach the levels of joy that we're able to reach. Yes, question. Discover is the word I want to use here. Just discovering the joy. Absolutely. Specifically, difficulties can enable us to discover a joy that we wouldn't be able to otherwise discover. But discover not just haphazardly by chance, but through effort. Absolutely. So we've reached this turning point. So now we're speaking about the light on the other end of the tunnel, and we're speaking about how it's a much greater light than the light that we have before we go into the tunnel. And how do we reach that light? In the context of what we're speaking about, how do we reach a greater joy than our cousins in the States and Melbourne and England? How do we feel that we're actually happier about our day-to-day life um, than, than others? And uh, something that I often think about, you know, yes, load shedding and the frustrations and, uh, and whatever else, corruption, and whatever other hardships that we may have on a national level, but I do believe that each of us in our in- individual lives actually deal with greater challenges than these... Uh, outside challenges that very much affect our lives, and, uh, uh, which is why I believe that um, evergrading uh, doesn't address the primary issues. We all have real, as I'm called, those black holes, those dark spaces that nobody else would know that we're dealing with and how they could pull us down. That obviously exists everywhere around, everywhere around the world and wherever we may be. And the question is, how do we live as happier people um, with those challenges and perhaps as a result of our approach to those challenges. And so, yes, we could actually be happier than those that don't have those challenges. And we're not asking, not dominating for them, and we say, don't bring us to challenge, but we certainly want to approach them and grow from them, approach them right and grow from them. And the Tanya over here takes us, I would say, through a, to, through a three-step perpetual journey that we need to go through. The first step is to remember that despite all of our downfalls, hardships, whether they be physical or spiritual, we have something powerfully good within us, and that is our neshama. The neshama is a part of Hashem. It's pure, it's good, it's special, it's beautiful. And that always remains within us. 
And we're always able to tap into it. And if we were to apply this on a more global level, it means perhaps life. The fact that we are alive. And this is more than just counting our blessings. It is focusing on our inner good. So it's not just, okay, I also still have electricity when there's no load shedding. But rather, it's realizing that at every moment, at our core, there is the blessing of life, there's the blessing of God, there's our neshama, and in our relationship with Hashem, even if we're sitting on a very, on the deepest of levels, we have a permanent, beautiful, surreal relationship with Hashem. This is step one. Step one is, Remember what we have and focus on it. The pure good that we have within us. But then, we get reminded that that's not all there is to us. Yes, we have the joys of our soul, but we also have the sorrows of our bodies. We also have, and body is being used more metaphorically, the body itself is obviously something holy and beautiful. But we also have the material darkness and negativity and hardships. So the problems are not going away. I mean, we doubt that they do. And please God, many of them will. But many of them don't. And this is the seesaw that, that's... That cycle the light of, of, of feelings that we go through as human beings. The one moment we're celebrating how despite all challenges within us there's something powerful and, and beautiful and good. But then we're reminded that there's also hardships. There's also difficulty. There's the joys and the sorrows. <laughs> I remember learning this chapter as a just in my late teens in London, I was in Yeshiva over there. Rabbi Gordon, our teacher, was teaching it, and he gave this uh, analogy um, uh, of a person that's sitting in filth up to, up to his waist. He's sitting in uh, smelly stuff. And, and he decides, you know what? Look up. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. There's a breeze in the air. Life is beautiful. And he just is enjoying his suntan until suddenly he looks down again. <laughs> and he sees, I'm stuck in the mud. This is smelly. This is awful. How do I get out of here? So that's the cycle that we look up, but then we look down. So step number one is we need to look up. We can't only be looking down. We can't only be looking at the mud. We need to look at the joys of our life. Step number two is to realize the joy of breaking free of hardships. And breaking free of hardships takes on many forms. In the context of our service of Hashem, it means that yes, we may be sitting in this way or that way or that way, but every moment that we do a mitzvah, 
we pull our soul out of the body, out of the filth. And that freedom creates an immense joy. Tanya describes a prince that was living in nobility in the palace and he wanders off and he gets lost and he get, goes to jail. He gets caught up in all sorts of nonsense and he's now he's sitting and he's busy grinding the mill and life is miserable and he maybe gets smelly as well until one day he's freed and he comes there back to the palace. And I, I, this morning, I was, or yesterday, I was listening to a class on this and I mentioned an interesting dimension, which I, I don't know if it says so in the Tanya. When he comes back to the king, he may still be smelly, back to his father. But hopefully the king is not going to like, just look at him and say, oh, you look awful, you smell on the contrary. Actually, not just hopefully, it won't happen. The joy of the king being reunited with his son that was sitting in jail will be such an immense joy, such an excitement, that after you being in slavery, thank God we reunited. So to every time we sin, we uh, stick our, our soul in the mud. But every time we do a mitzvah, we liberate the neshama. And that success, that mitzvah, can bring us tremendous joy. So, so this, in the context of serving Hashem, it means that we should be joyed by the connection, the liberation or the redemption of our soul from the schmutz of this world and its reconnection with Hashem every time we do a mitzvah. Yeah, so can I, um, maybe you can give me the context of the story which yeah. I'm reminded about. And that is the story of our lives when we say, ah. So sometimes we can just enjoy in this material pleasure that might not even be appropriate and say, ah. And then right after that, you say, <laughs> Sometimes we can experience a spiritual high that might even be, oh, so difficult. And right after the experience, then we say, ah. Beautiful. So life is about where, where are our ah, Sure. So if we would meditate on uh, absolutely where we want to be, then uh, we would make different choices. We don't always think it all through. But in the context of what we're saying right now, I think you're sharing that, that ah, after doing the right thing, which maybe was so difficult, is so beautiful. So step number one, focus on the good. Step number two, when you're reminded of the bad, focus on the achievements of taking on that challenge. On a more global level, you know, going back to load shedding, when we're able to develop a positive approach and take on life to despite the frustrations of it over here in South Africa and feel good about it, what we achieved, that I could have been all grumpy and frustrated that I couldn't sleep, but instead this is what I did and this is how I utilized it and this is how I took on the day, then I'll be feeling so much happier than my cousin in the States that always had electricity and is just whatever moaning about something else. So our achievements of 
liberation of breaking out of the frustration of sin causes a much greater joy than the joy that we would have had we not encountered the sin in the first place. So this is the light at the end of the tunnel that's, that's much brighter than the light that before we went in. And then we come to step number three. And step number three is recognizing that even after that tremendous satisfaction or joy in our achievements of liberating ourselves from those dark spaces, the dark spaces still exist. <laughs> they still didn't go anywhere. And we go back to really point number one, but now it's a spiral, it's on a higher level. And that is to stay focused on the joys of our soul. So we've got to start by focusing on, on, on the good within us. And then we fall and then we uh, encounter the frustrations of the bad within us. But then we pick ourselves up and we put on the challenge and we experience tremendous joy from the way we dealt with it. But then again, we're struck by the hardships, by the difficulties. And then again, we remind ourselves that that doesn't define us. It's not who we are. Who we are at the essence is somebody that's powerfully good. And then again, we're not just living private lives. We're not just stuck with our own struggles. But every win that we have does have a spiritually cosmic effect on the world at large and we are making this world into a better place and we are getting places so we're not just going in a vicious circle in circles and circles but with but but in our own lives with every time we get stuck back in the mud and we break out and we, and, we, and we're happy about it and we celebrate our achievements we are reaching higher and higher and we are becoming less and less stuck in that mud in some form or another and yes sometimes we maybe feel like we're digging ourselves deeper and then fine, discuss it with a friend or a rabbi or, or whoever it is or professional that can help you make sure that you're actually growing and you're getting into better spaces. But we certainly have the ability not just to go through that vicious cycle and keep going, but not just to survive, but to achieve and to thrive and to reach higher and higher heights in our own lives on a global level. And, and, and when Moshiach comes, when this fundamental Jewish belief of a Messianic era is a strong belief that eventually we reach the point that we have such a cosmic effect that we actually get completely out of the mud, where we're actually able to rise completely above those difficulties. And that's not, it's not entirely in our hands. We need help with that. Yes, if only we would really put in the right effort, perhaps we would bring Mashiach right now. But we try hard and we dive into Hashem and, and, and we say that, okay, Hashem, enough is enough. It's time to really completely pull us out so that we could uh, completely experience the light. So in summary, focus on the good. Engage in lots of mitzvahs so that you could keep your head above the water, not just above the waters, but that you could keep redeeming it and, and experiencing the tremendous joy that that king has when he's reunited with his son that was in captivity. And then once again, uh, focus on the good. Focus on our neshama. And these key words rather focus on the joy of the neshama than the uh, 
frustrations of the body will actually continue over the next three chapters, focusing on the joy. So chapter 32 is a fundamental chapter which speaks about um, having a love for, for our fellow. And again, over there, it's going to be focusing on the joys of our Shabbat. And chapter 34, we're going to continue with that theme. So hopefully, wishing you all an exceptionally joyful day. Thank you. Thank you.